You know, it's really interesting that Andy and Daniel both mentioned the kind of how the industry was, you know, 25 years ago. There wasn't this startup culture, especially not in Stuttgart at the time. And as Daniel mentioned, uh, and Andy as well, how they've kind of been reinventing themselves. Hi, and welcome to Rewrite Tech. My name is Geraldine DeBastian. And I'm Brad Richards. And together we get to host this podcast for Deconium. And today is a special episode because usually we have a guest on the show and interview them, get to learn about their work. But today we are going to have a bit of a review of the 25th anniversary that we got to host for Deconium in September. Yeah, it was Deconium's 25th anniversary, 25 amazing years based all over the world. And we had the honor of going down to Stuttgart and filming a three-day live event. Due to Corona, there was supposed to be a big 25-year anniversary party in Stuttgart. But unfortunately, due to the events, we had to adapt to it. So Geraldine and I had the pleasure of going down there for a week to talk to some amazing people about different topics. We covered on three different days, talked to some many, many people, and we're here today to kind of recap some of the best things that we talked about. So how was it for you, Geraldine? That was your first time coming down to Stuttgart, checking out the Deconium headquarters. How was it? I love the Deconium campus. It was really nice to see like such a tech company be based in such a quaint southern German yeah. uh, space and and at the same time the space being really innovative so it was just a really cool mix of things coming together there and we had this cozy little TV studio of course the team was fantastic so I really enjoyed those three days also as you said because we had some really fantastic speakers and each day was dedicated to a theme so on the first day we looked at the topic of mobility on the second day we focused on commerce and on the last day, we focused on sustainability. And that's also the three topics that we'll kind of be recapping today. And as you just said, Brad, listening to different speakers' statements around that. Yeah, we also had a musician with us on the yeah. third day and some like special greetings from Deconium partners of the current and past. And of course, we also had some of the team members with us in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, it was great to actually uh, to get to see them all again, uh, some of my colleagues uh, down in Stuttgart, so it was really great and refreshing. Uh, and also to spend so much time with the managing directors and the founders, Vanya Hendel and Andy and Daniel, who took so much of their time to actually sit down with us and talk. And that kind of leads us to our first part of the recap is Andy and Daniel had the chance to kind of, you know, go into the history of Deconium and also give their first thoughts about, you know, what Deconium is and kind of kicked off the mobility day. So we'll uh, kick it off with Andy and Daniel, our founders uh, at Deconium. The startup ecosystem, which is currently there, was not there like in, in the 1995. So you just imagine like we just started, we felt, okay, 10 people having a, and staff is a, a huge company. Later on, it's maybe 100. So now we are about 1,000 people and, and still growing. So, so it was really like unimaginable at that point of time. And uh, so we always feel uh, very, like, say, proud and, and happy. So after like these 25 years. The company itself reinvented uh, itself many times. But actually, we still very stick on that thing called digital transactions. So mm -hmm. digital commerce was our topic all the time. But of course, we added many more capabilities. We extended our portfolio and into other ways. And then we moved all through, through, through the industries um, over time. You know, it's really interesting that Andy and Daniel both mentioned the kind of 
how the industry was, you know, 25 years ago. There wasn't this startup culture, especially not in Stuttgart at the time. And as Daniel mentioned, uh, and Andy as well, how they've kind of been reinventing themselves. And they started really on e-commerce and now being 100% Volkswagen, especially the last five plus years, we've been really, really, really focusing. And the majority of our business is on mobility. So it's quite fascinating that a company like Deconium, lasting 25 years, working with such major partners, have continuously found their sweet spot over the years and have pivoted to where it's necessary and now with the major focus on mobility. So it's a, it's great to see that the leadership understand where we're going and why we're doing it. So it was really great to hear from them, Andy and Daniel. Thanks for that. Yeah, and our first keynote speaker of the day was somebody who's really spent a lifetime of a career in the mobility sector. And so after working for Daimler for many, many years and Volkswagen for a couple, Christoph Hartung, who's the executive vice president now of Bosch Connected Mobility Solutions, really switched from that car manufacturer's core perspective to somebody working down the value chains. And for me, from sort of the tech universe I come from, it was really interesting to hear him speak about the necessity of creating more open source platform solutions in the user interest. So car manufacturers really coming together and seeing where they want to be competitors, but also where they really need to collaborate in order to create solutions that really work from, yeah, like like I said, from a user perspective. So here's a little bit of Christoph Hartung's keynote speech. It goes along today with three topics. First topic, what is software all about in the automotive industry? Second topic, what is the complexity the automotive industry is currently facing and how can we actually manage that? And third topic, what can we do in order to overcome that? Leaping forward, um, we will see the first introduction of Ethernet and standardized gateways and separation of hardware and software in the vehicles within the next year, so until 25, 26 this year. And then you can actually add on one or two generations of vehicles, which is always six years, so six to 12 years, including what you need in order to come forward. So we are by far in the mid 30s in order, beginning 40s in order to have a population out there in order to drive the software defined car and also enable a, just a new set of mobility driven by the same values culture and leadership. So that was Christoph Hartung's glimpse into the future, looking 10 to 20 years ahead of what it's going to take to have a software-driven car. Yeah, it's really interesting how, um, you know, he, especially his career, he moved from the, the pure mobility and then moved to the hardware aspect of it. And I think he brings a, he brought, sorry, a, a great insights into how the future mobility is going to be kind of blurred in terms of where the technology stops at the home and where it begins inside the automobile. So it was really fascinating to hear. And I, I do think that we have this kind of future to look forward to. Maybe this is a good point to already mention that you, of course, can find all the four talks uh, in the form of video recordings on the Deconium website as well. Mm -hmm. So if you hear a soundbite now that you think is interesting, please do go check out the whole talk. Yeah, but you'll get to see Geraldine and I having a great time with these amazing <laughs> guests. So it's really cool. And one of our one of our favorite guests on the first day was uh, Dr. Michael Resch, who is the director of the High Performance Computing Center in Stuttgart and it's home one of the fastest civil computing systems in Europe. He gave a fantastic talk about the future of cybersecurity and let's hear it now. The really tricky part that will challenge us in the future is cybersecurity. Let me just give you a very simple uh, example and a simple story. Uh, after September 11, there was a very short discussion about making airplanes safer. By allowing 
the controller to remotely fly the plane. The idea was that once a plane is hijacked, the pilot can send a signal and then some remote controller would take over. The idea was immediately abandoned. And the simple reason is that if you install such a system, that was the year 2002 when this was discussed, if you install such a system and you don't have a guarantee that nobody can hijack the system, what happens is that now it would be much easier to hijack a plane, you would not have to enter the plane, you would not have to carry a weapon with you. The only thing you would have to do is hack yourself into the system and then crash the plane. You would not even risk your own life. That's a point made by Michael Resch that just really drives home the idea that the most secure solution is not necessarily taking the human out of the equation and that you really need to look at the context and the system you're designing in order to decide when it is the machine making the final decision mm -hmm. and when it's the human. Yeah, it was really a really um, great talk and it was a great way to kind of close up mobility on that day. We had some amazing people. We can't cover all of them, but as Geraldine said, if you want to recap the mobility first day, it is all on our website. But that moved us on to the second day around e-commerce, which, which is kind of, for those who don't know, e-commerce was the first kind of industry that Deconium started in, starting with our first clients, Aquetta and Nekaman, focusing on their catalogs and building e-commerce platforms. And back then, people really didn't even know what e-commerce was. It was more like digitizing a catalog on the internet. Nowadays, we're building super complex uh, shops and those kind of platforms for super, super large clients. So it's a, it's a whole industry now. That's why we spent the whole second day talking about it. Yeah, and it was a really fun day. We had one guest join us live in the studio. That was the lovely Claudia La Jeunesse, who has spent a long time working for Zalando and other big e-commerce players and is now a Zeppelin group. And she was thinking a lot about the relations between the shop or the retailer and the client, especially now in times of Corona and how those relations are changing, how we can also, again, keep the human side in our interactions in these times where we're forced yeah. more and more into our little digital isolation realms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great sitting down to talk with her. And uh, I also had the chance to sit down and speak with uh, Dr. Woman Zena from Shopify, um, one of the leaders with our with regards to e-commerce products. So it was really interesting to hear how even the leaders in this industry are still trying to find new ways of being innovative and staying up to date with regards to new technologies and new products. So it was really, really fascinating to hear from those people. So the first speaker of that day was Pascal Finette, who is the co-founder and, as he calls himself, Enfant Terrible at Be Radical and Singularity University's chair for entrepreneurship and open innovation. And he gave a talk about really where he thinks your perspective should be, your viewpoint should be, if you're looking for that next big thing. What we need to get good at is we need to read those weak signals, the early parts of this weird exponential curve where the world is changing, but we can't really see it quite yet. Our project Panera has always been to discover today what will matter tomorrow and then to transform our company into a future that is unfolding before us. Yeah, Pascal Finette, his talk about weak signals was was fantastic. And I think it's a cool way of phrasing it about how you notice something before it becomes something. So I think it was very uh, eloquent how he went about it. So thank you, Pascal, for that. Yeah, like the weak signal was that person who showed up with a cool bootleg tape before something became a big hit and everybody had <laughs> the yeah. CD. I'm going to out myself as an old person again. <laughs> I knew him before he was cool. I knew him before he was cool. Okay? So yeah, you want to be that person yeah. with the tape. So 
The next speaker I also thought was really a highlight of the day, just because Joanna Breitenbach is somebody who speaks so from the heart and really doesn't beat around the bush, as you would say, in terms of what brings value to society and why should we be innovating in the first place, which is what her talk was about. She's a German cultural scientist, author, an internet entrepreneur, and a member of the supervisory board of Gut.org um, and a co-founder of the donation platform Better Place. One of the main differentiations I make actually is in the innovation field between what I would call bullshit innovations and innovations which are meaningful. So, well, what do I mean by that? Well, bullshit innovations actually do harm to our society or the environment, or they don't add anything new significantly. While as on the other hand, meaningful innovations is, is things which improve the quality of life and which provide better, adequate answers to our urgent challenges, which we are facing in the world today. So my perspective is that I, and I believe that you, many of you share that, that we are in a transition period. We are in a transition period from an old economic paradigm, which relies on extraction uh, and which in the past has been an amazing resource for improvement of quality of life. You know, we've never been richer and lived longer in this world, but increasingly that old paradigm is becoming really harmful and is doing a lot of collateral damage. You know, we are obviously committing environmental suicide and we are paying enormous social costs and um, for uh, the way how we do create value conventionally. Joanna hit on one of the most important aspects that I personally believe is, is super important is around bullshit innovation and in which she focused a lot of her work on around innovating for the sake of innovating. And I had the privilege of sitting down to talk with her about this. And it's something that you know, companies and organizations are always trying to be innovative, but they're innovating in the wrong way. And Joanna talks about that a lot, but she kind of goes in a bit further with regards to how you can take innovation and move it into the team aspect. Teams and companies that create meaningful innovations, they do tend to have a very different mindset and they do see the world through different filters and experience the world differently and have new inner competencies, which they also needed to develop uh, over time and from which they operate. So let me be a bit more precise. What do I mean, uh, you know, with new, that we do need new inner competencies to create true innovations? We like to break this down into three levels, you know? So there are certain individual competencies which we as humans need. And that is, for example, that I need to be able as a team member in my company to show up authentically in life. I need to know what motivates me. I know to need to know what I can contribute to life. So the old attitude, which we have in many companies, you know, is very much guided by the norm. Don't stick out, do the secure thing, be very much oriented uh, by others. But that's not going to help us be innovative. You know, you have to stick out. You have to know your true forces and to claim it. So one of the things which the competences which we need is really a good self-contact. We need to know an inner clar clarity of what motivates us and what is inside. And only then can we really be innovative and contribute to life. Yeah. So jo as Joanna said, you know, she really focuses on not just the aspect of innovation, but also how it affects teams as well. And she, you know, talked about how companies shouldn't be innovating for the sake of innovation. And it's something that I really admire. And it was a real pleasure to sit down and talk with her on day two. But who did we have next on the second day? It was, it was a packed day. Next, next Brad was also a complete highlight. Really an honor to have this person speak at anybody's event, I would say, because she's such a pioneer 
in the tech world and especially such a feminist role model because the next speaker was Dame Stephanie Shirley. And mm -hmm. yeah, she's known for having started a company back when she was under the age of 30. And that was in the 60s. It was a complete wild thing to have a female business owner in a tech company. Mm -hmm. But then she went on to only employ women, build a massive tech empire for herself and also go on to sort of share her wealth. And it's a really incredible, yeah, just biography that she has. So let's listen to a little bit of what she has to say. Most new companies do fail, yet every new venture is rooted in something else. Eventually, of course, my company uh, did achieve success and made me a wealthy woman. Um, I invested some of my self-made wealth in other IT startups all of which quickly disappeared without trace. So the other organizations I'd like to speak about are not-for-profits. The challenges are exactly parallel, but the reward for success is social, not financial. So in her talk, she really just went through her, her whole lifetime mm -hmm. and explained how she built up a charity, her company, and and it's... It's a really charming video to see. It was her birthday of the day of the Deconium Talks. That's yeah. why she didn't do a live talk, but pre-recorded it for us. So, of course, we sent her lots of congratulations and, and hope she received them as well. Yeah, so the third and last day, as we said, was on the topic of sustainability, which everybody agreed was obviously the most important topic because we need to take care of this earth yeah. <laughs> in order for all these other business areas to exist in future. Yeah. And we had, again, the Deconium team to also share what the company itself is doing to, yeah, to become more green or more sustainable mm -hmm. in the studio with us. Yeah. And that's why we're focusing on, you know, the Deconium team, especially in Berlin is focusing so much on e-mobility and these kind of new ways of building digital products and services around the electric vehicles. And Anya Hendel, who's also the managing director and a part of the board of Deconium, she goes into details about how it's not just on the surface of being sustainable. It can also be done from a technological standpoint. So let's hear it from the MD Anya Hendel. So you can have a look to your source code to program your code in a better way to yeah not waste too much energy. And on the other side, we, you can have a look to your hosting of the data to optimize your hosting. So I think there are multiple really technical ways of opt optimizing this. Yeah, it's interesting how Anya mentions that clean code also is around sustainability. And it's actually true about all these, you know, you can have a digital product, but they need to run on these massive servers sometimes. So um, having that in mind about the amount of energy used to run you know, digital products and services does fall on the shoulders of our engineering team and our product teams as well. So it was, it was nice to hear from Anya about that. Absolutely. And it was just good to hear that Deconium was thinking about topics that belong to their core business and how they can contribute to sustainability through that, but also of topics like how does their energy consumption work? Is that coming from renewables? And I was also really impressed by Andy saying that he, as a manager, feels there should be more regulation in the field because you don't get to hear that so often from CEOs really pushing companies to become greener in Germany and, and in Europe and globally. So, 
I thought that was a great way to kick off the day with interview with Anya and Andy. And we also had a fantastic keynote speaker come in to kick off the day super early. <laughs> he got up for yeah. us because he did join live all the way from West Coast, USA. Matthew Manos is the founder and managing director of Very Nice, which is a design strategy practice that gives half of its work away for free to nonprofit organizations. And this is a topic that Matthew's already published about and shared his views about why he thinks it's profitable for his company, not just in a monetary, but also in other ways to do that. In the 90s, video rental shops were huge. For my family, it was a bit of a ritual. We'd get in the car, hope to find a good parking spot at the local strip mall, pick up some pizza and grab a movie to rent for the weekend. These video rental shops, though, slowly lost relevance over time, and they're now few and far between. On the other hand, you have streaming services, which emerged slowly at first and then quickly dominated the space with their ability to have us sit on our couch, grab a remote, and effectively access any movie or TV show that we like. But what came in between these two things? Because jumping from video rental stores to streaming services would be too much too fast. And this is why some streaming companies first emerged as a DVD mailing subscription service. It was something similar to the feeling of a video rental store but more convenient, like streaming. So I have some advice for you. If you want to envision and realize a more sustainable future, don't be too innovative. The point that Matthew makes ties in really well with the talk that Joanna gave the day before because he focuses on meaningful innovation and that we should lean back and think how we use our energy, our resources personally, but also globally in order to create things that have impact and not approach innovation from like a consumerist or sales point of view. Yeah, I, I really liked also he, to elaborate on that, he also talked about the those those middle ground innovations, you know, around like hybrid vehicles, right? Everybody knew that, you know, Petrol is not the way to go in the future. How do we get to electric? There was a hybrid in between. And he really elaborated on that during his talk. And I thought it was something that a lot of people could kind of resonate with. And it was a great way to close out our third day of the Deconium Talks around sustainability. So how was it for you, Geraldine? Three days looking back, how was the whole uh, experience for you? Yeah, it went by so fast, those three days of talks. Also Very because, fast. yeah, just of the format and and... And the whole enjoyability <laughs> of the experience. Mm -hmm. um, I I really hope people go on to watch the videos. There's also some recap films from the event. So there's lots of output we created where you can get more than just the yes. sound, but also some visual impressions to what went down. And we went out dancing because there was a piano player in the room with us and he played some lovely music on the lovely. last day. So that was really nice. But I do have to say, Brad, and I hope nobody takes us the wrong way, that one of the highlights of the Deconium talk was the road trip that we had together all the way down yes. to Stuttgart and back to Berlin, driving in a Corona safe way <laughs> to this event. Corona safe. We were doing it right. It was a long drive, but it was also a highlight for me as well. And, you know, the Deconium talks, I think that Deconium did a great job of of, of piecing something together that really wasn't in the cards originally, but they kind of adapted based to our current situation and they put together one hell of an event. So it was really cool that you and I could be a part of it and, and really moderate the whole thing. And they trusted us, which is even scarier, <laughs> but I think it's uh it's cool overall. Yeah. I still hope we can throw that big party one day for the 25th anniversary, but I also think that there's no loss in it. You nope. know, having such a, 
well-produced event with such great speakers from really different corners of the world as well, making it an international and accessible event. You know, Deconium is a global company. You've got viewers from all over the world who are actually part of your company. So why not make this party accessible to them as well? I think you did a great job with that. And yeah, I wish Deconium all the best for the next 25 years. <laughs>